Welcome to Lights, Camera, Author. I'm Jim Juno. At the height of her celebrity, Madeline Carroll was the world's highest-paid actress. She worked alongside such greats as Laurence Olivier and Charles Lofton, also with British directors Victor Seville and Alfred Hitchcock, and Hollywood directors John Ford and Otto Preminger. She also did radio and television shows, all of which she abandoned to become a Red Cross worker. Piecing together long-lost facts, John Pascoe has a new book entitled Madeline Carroll, Actress and Humanitarian, in which he describes Carroll's almost indescribable life, narrating her personal highs and lows, as well as her fervent commitment to helping others, particularly child victims of war. Pascoe has been a researcher, writer, and editor for British Steel, Arup, and Electro Components. He is the holder of the Society for Technical Communication International Award for Excellence, STC Trans-European Award, and CSI Honor Award for Outstanding Achievement. Let's join the conversation. John Pascoe, welcome to the show. Welcome to you, Jim. Now, you're, you are, we are calling from Richmond, Virginia, over to... Uh, the UK. Whereabouts in the UK are you? Uh, I'm li- living in Kettering in Northamptonshire, which is approximately 62 miles from West Bromwich, where Madeline Carroll grew up. Oh, so now your new book is called Madeline Carroll, Actress and Humanitarian from the 39 Steps to the Red Cross. And so you basically were almost neighbors. Uh, we we could have been uh, at one time, you know, uh, were we not separated by time, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Madeline Carroll, she was quite the actress. Um, now, for, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Madeline Carroll, I'm going to name her probably her most famous movie first, and that would be The 39 Steps by Alfred Hitchcock. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that, and it's very interesting that uh, I, I put a stopwatch on her time in that movie, and it came out at 26 minutes, and that's her t- time on on screen totally. She f- spoke for much less than that, of course. Really? I didn't realize she was in the movie that that uh, short of a time. Uh, that, that's, that's right. She, she always said that uh, it was he, she regarded it as Robert Donat's movie, um, and but... but in the book, uh, the original John Buchan book, uh, there was no female uh, person at all. So this was an invention of Hitchcock's. And uh, as he, he built up her role and her time on screen, as he became more interested in the character which he'd originated. And, and in this movie, of course, like you said, it was Robert Donat's, it was basically Robert Donat's uh, movie. Uh, but... She was she wasn't an unknown before this movie. She had done stage work and and other other uh, items before this one. Correct. That's correct. In fact, uh, the the film that she made uh, she made a film in 1933 called "I Was a Spy," which which brought to the attention of American audiences. Um, then she did a John Ford movie in '34, "The World Moves On." Um, when she went to Hollywood for the first time. And so it's when she came back, she was very reluctant to take that role on the 39 Steps. Uh, and and Michael uh, Balkan went over to Hollywood to pers- try and persuade her because he needed her for the role in order to appeal to American audiences because they'd heard of her. 
because she'd become well known from those other two two movies that I just mentioned. Um, uh, she was reluctant to take it because it was such a small role. But on the other hand, she'd done other small roles in the, before then. Uh, she'd been in a movie called Escape, uh, where she'd only spent about five minutes on stay on screen. Uh, but that had been a very successful movie, and so, so uh, she was aware that that uh, shortness wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Now, what what struck me from from well from reading your book is that her family life it was it was different from a lot of actresses in America because a lot of the actresses in America during this time came from the heartland. They wanted to make it big. Maybe they came from poor situations. Um, but her family, they, she was, I mean, her father was a professor, wasn't he? And That's correct. And, and also his wife, Helene, had a degree. Uh, Helene, uh, I, I'm not sure of her academic background. I know she intended to become a nun, which I think was because she was the uh, youngest in, in the family, and so there was no dowry for what? her. Uh, but that all changed when, when John Carroll came on the scene. But the father, the father was a well-educated man. He certainly was, and uh, uh, he he not only had science degrees, but then he he became uh, a master of arts with with and, and multilingual, which explains the way uh, the way the way that um, Madeline and her sister Marguerite grew up, being able to speak English, French, Spanish, German. Catalan eventually. And then she, you know, what was her family's reaction when, when she said, I want to be an actress? Uh, she was, her father forbade the family to speak her name. <laughs> and uh, and she, although she went through hard times financially, she didn't feel she could go back to the family to ask for money because, uh, because, because she had effectively been disowned by being an Which actress. all changed when when uh, when she made her first film, The Guns of Loose, and and uh, her family realised that she was something of a star in the making. And that's not an unusual reaction for people. Well, people nowadays may not may have a hard time understanding that, but back in these back in this time, becoming an actor or an actress was probably almost as low as you can go. Well, that's right, and. Uh, uh, I, um, I know that she, she wanted to please her father and, and become a teacher, uh, use her degrees because it, again, it's unusual for an actress to have a first degree, let alone a postgraduate study, which, uh, Madeleine did at the Sorbonne in Paris. Uh, and, and she did all this really to please her father and, uh, and then she appeared in the in the university play, and uh, uh, any other year it wouldn't have mattered because the university before the year she starred in the, in the play had brought in actors from London, uh, professional actors to play the lead roles, and this was the first time they were going to use somebody internally. And as soon as she started rehearsing, she she got the call. She she knew she wanted to be an actress. And then just now, she it spent a couple of years, or she spent a couple of years building up her resume and before 
the 39 steps, of course. I mean, like you said, she was in the John Ford movie, and she was in several other movies. But the 39 steps is the one that really propelled her to American audiences. That's correct. And then just as she achieved that pinnacle, she leaves the acting profession because of World War II. Well, uh, after the 39 Steps, she went to, back to America, uh, and, and she appeared in what many people considered to be her best film, which was The General Died at Dawn, co-starring with Gary Cooper. And, uh, and it's, a mile, uh, it's a milestone film mm-hmm. that, uh, that he'd, he'd already won the director's Oscar for, for All Quiet on the Western Front. And it was the first movie, I believe, which uh, had its own uh, soundtrack uh, made for it. So, so it, it was nominated for a few Oscars, and it, it, it got one or two. But uh, uh, then she, appeared, she went to Paramount eventually. She, she went back to America uh, with Walter Wang, under Walter Wanger initially, but uh, he didn't do so well financially, and she ended up with Paramount, where she made some not too memorable movies, and that took her into uh, the when she became when she worked for the uh, United Seamen's uh, Union. Tell Which me, she did because she'd been involved with Sterling Hayden by that time. Now, tell me a little bit about the United Seamen's uh, Union, because that's, that is something which is going to be unknown to Americans. That's, uh, that, that's uh, now, have I used the right word for it? It's the, uh, it's the United Seamen's uh, USS. I might not have... Um, but yes, it was something she set up because uh, uh, Sterling Hayden, who became her uh, second husband, uh, was a, uh, a marine, a merchant marine, and and uh, he had communicated with her from his his out at sea uh, the dangers of the job, and and uh, so she had campaigned to set up a means of of. Of of looking after the the merchant marines better because although they were well paid they had no medical insurance like a like a uh, a, a seaman in, in in the armed forces would have uh, and yet they had they had no defence against the U boats which were which kind of ruled the waves at that time so so she'd she'd uh, take taken on an unpaid role on running the Siemens Union and uh, and she was uh, she did this for about a, a year but her real aim was to get into the war and get into Europe so although she realized she could do more for the cause by uh, selling war bombs and uh, and and seeking donations uh, she she did this work with the Siemens Union uh, as a sort of justification, in a way, of, of, of her determination to then stop doing that and, and take a, 
a personal role in the war. You're listening to Lights, Camera, Author. I'm talking with John Pascoe about his new book, Madeline Carroll, Actress and Humanitarian. Wasn't her, did, wasn't her sister killed in the war? Funnily enough, I was just thinking that, and <laughs> you've absolutely uh, got this knocked on the head because the reason she wanted to take a, a personal role in the war was because her sister had been killed in a bombing raid over London. So, so that was in 1940. So, so uh, she was working with the Siemens Union in 1943. She longed to get out of Hollywood before before then um, and, and she never recovered from her, her, her what happened to her sister uh, and, and they had been very very close and her sister had lived with her uh, in London for for the time before she went to Hollywood as well so they, they were very close and it was a, it was a, it was a huge loss to her. Now, before the 39 steps, I just want to touch on her career again. Now, we mentioned the John, uh, the John Ford uh, picture, but a lot of people here in America will, will recognize the title, The Prisoner of Zenda. Did I say that right? Zelda, The Prisoner of Zenda, yeah. <laughs> I can't get my words the out tonight. Pri- yeah, The Prisoner of Zenda was the, a 1937 film she made uh, just shortly after The General Dies at Dawn. So, um that was uh, an interesting film for us Brits because it was it was uh, stuffed full of expats who lived in Hollywood, uh, and that was a purposeful uh, initiative by uh, David Selznick because he he felt that the film would be very popular in the U in the UK uh, because it it mirrored the the royal shenanigans that had taken place with the abdication of Edward VIII. So there was a lot of interest in royalty at that time. Now, let me ask you this. I know you lived, not in time-wise, but distance-wise, you lived near where she lived. Um, Is that why you decided to do a book on her? No, I'll tell you why I decided to do the book. I I saw The 39 Steps on TV as a teenager. Uh, I guess there are very few people alive now who saw it in 1935 at the cinema. But uh, uh, I I was, it was a wonderful yarn, and uh, and there was that that, uh, fascinating business about where she's handcuffed to a stranger going across the Scottish moors, which is is weird. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I, I didn't really think of Madeline Carroll for another sort of 40 years or so. And, but I was interested in Hollywood. I read a fair bit about Hollywood. And, uh, and you couldn't get far away from, from the Hollywood 10 and you couldn't get far away from the House Un-American Activities Commission. And at one time I, I read a book, it's a big book over a thousand pages with all the testimonies in it of people who'd appeared before it. And one of those people was Sterling Hayden. And at the time I didn't even know he'd been uh, married to uh, Madeleine Carroll. But uh, I, I was amazed that here we have this, this uh, soldier who had, who had, uh, well, he was working for Donovan on the on the OSS, but he was he was fighting behind German lines. He was he was supplying guns and ammunition to Tito's freedom fighters, and uh, uh, I, I wondered how he could possibly be 
appear before this committee with, with the sort of background he had. And, uh, and so I thought I'll, I'll, I found there was an autobiography he'd written and, and I thought I'll read that. And I read the autobiography and I get to when he meets Marilyn, Madeline Carroll and he kind of falls in love with her at first sight. And he writes it so well that I fell in love with her too at first sight and I think probably a lot of other people did as well so who who read that particular book so so then i wanted to know more about madeline carroll and uh, i found that there there was very little available there was there was a book called about the life and times of madeline carroll but that was terribly diluted and it was it was uh it, it kind of didn't concentrate on madeline to the extent that it, it needed concentrating i think so so there was something but not much so uh, that's when I started uh, looking up things about Madeleine Carroll. And, and, and uh, the more I found out about her, the more fascinating it became and the more gaps appeared and uh, I tried to fill them. And eventually I was, uh, I was kind of in uh, researching a book in, in effect. And there is one weird thing about this, which I've never said to anybody else, but I'll say it to you, Jim, is that... Uh, she was a very private person, and so I had doubts as to whether I should be doing this at all, because I was thinking, is this what Madeline would want? Would she want someone to write about her because she was such a private person? And one night I had a dream, and, and uh, Madeline was in it, and, and she was uh, friendly and tactile, and she didn't say anything. But I woke up, remembered the dream, and, and, I, and I took it as a tacit approval. Uh, and I, I, that could be, of course, the dream could be me projecting. Well, uh, on, but it, but the thing, the thing was, I've read since then that other it's happened to other authors, and I don't think it's it's uh, necessarily an emphasis that, in my mind, because later on I was much more uh, obsessed with with Madeline's life and, and it's never happened to me since so it was on that one occasion when I was struggling to know whether to go ahead or not which was strange yes but I've heard a lot of people say things like that 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 the subject of their book mm. um, you know came to them and said yes it's okay to do it so perhaps she was she was trying to give you a message well that's what I think may be the case but I I, I wouldn't say for sure, but, but it, I, I felt that at the time, and it gave me the encouragement to carry on and, and, and do it to the best of my ability. I was going to ask you about your research, because you uncover a lot, or you rediscover, I'll, I'll use that term, a lot of long-lost facts about her. And I was just wondering, what, what is the one that, you, that really sticks with you? Well, one that really sticks it with me is that uh, I bought a couple of books that had, had uh, belonged to Madeleine Carroll from uh, a bookshop in Germany, and uh, and this this arrived this this little package. And I think it was three books, but uh, uh, there were also in it uh, a letter from Louise Lake, who features in the book. Um, who I didn't know who she was at the time, uh, and 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 she she was the uh, most famous uh, disabled person in America, uh, uh, and and she did a huge amount to make 
disabled people feel more valued. And, uh, and, and she was a friend of Madeleine Carroll's and they'd met when Madeleine Carroll was, uh, wanted to uh, read to people children who were blind and and uh, and couldn't speak couldn't speak so she wanted to read read to them which she which she did and and uh, and and Louise Lake was running the that uh, hospital at that time so so uh, that the other component was a transparency fell out of one of the books and it was a it was a transparency uh, of her later husband uh, and uh, Andrew High School, and uh, also there were, there were various other things in 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 this box, which uh, which was uh, receipts and things from things she'd bought in Barcelona and uh, and things she'd bought in America, uh, curtains and fittings and stuff. So it was kind of uh, a, it, was, it was a very interesting package, uh, and I, I think another thing that was. I found interesting was was that uh, later in the day, I, I, late in the day, I, I found that Madeline had kept a, a diary which which uh, had been distributed by Paramount Publicity to English-speaking countries where her films were being shown, and so this was kind of really Australia, New Zealand, and I was able to put together her her diary from that which is one of the most interesting things I think in the book uh, because what I wanted to do from the start was to include as much as Madeleine's uh, own words as possible and that gave me a lot of Madeleine's own words which were of great interest. Well fantastic I tell you what I have really enjoyed talking to you John and the book is Madeleine Carroll from the 39 steps to the Red Cross John Pascoe is the author. John, thank you again for doing this today. I appreciate it. That's my pleasure. You can find more information about the book, Madeline Carroll, Actress and Humanitarian, at mcfarlandbooks.com. Until next time, this is Lights, Camera, Author, and I'm Jim Juno.